and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest this week is Stephen Lindsay. Now, Stephen was the lead singer of the Scottish band Big Dish. They released three studio albums from 86 to 91. All three were great. Unfortunately, they didn't do much in the States. We discussed that. They followed it up with a compilation album in 1994, and then they went their separate ways. Stephen went on to become a painter, as well as releasing two studio albums, Exit Music and Kite. Both fantastic. And the last one coming out, 2007. But now he's back with music under the moniker Interlopers. And we discussed that. He's released two songs ahead of the album release in May. They're both fantastic. I'll play one during the interview and one after it. We discuss the start of his career, what he's been up to, as well as what he would put on a covers album if he had the chance to make one. Steven, really nice guy, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with him. So, Stephen, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Good to, yeah. good to talk to you. So, kind of like before we kind of touch upon music and stuff, how has like the last two years been like with the pandemic and everything for you? Um, well, it's been a bit weird, isn't it? You know, for, for everybody. Um, but uh, I suppose it, for a lot of people, we've had to kind of, you have to you have the time to look at yourself and think, well, what, what am I going to do now? You know, and I don't know. I know a lot of musicians have had time to go back and look at, you know, past recordings and stuff, which is partly what I did as well, you know. Yeah. Uh, I had a wee bit more time in my, my hands because I've been a, a, a painter, you know, an artist for quite a long time now as well. And uh, a lot of exhibitions and stuff had been cancelled. Um, and uh, I found myself with some, some time in my hands and I thought, well, I had been looking at... Uh, some of the recordings I'd made over the past few years anyway, you know, and I thought, well, this is going to give me a real opportunity to, to see what I can do. Um, and uh, I, the more I, I was listening to some of the, some of the songs were maybe five years old and stuff like that, oh. you know, but I think with a bit of distance, you can, it helps you look at things in a better perspective, you know, and I could see that, well, actually, that's a really good idea and there's maybe something I can do with that. So I started piecing it all together and, and ended up just, recording a, a new album so yeah, yeah. so that's the uh, interlopers pro- project correct the interlopers project yeah i mean yeah. i was going to just it was going to be a, a a solo album another solo album but the more i got into it and uh, once it's finished and i thought like, i've never really seen myself in that kind of troubadour singer songwriter and acoustic guitar thing you know and, and right and I, th- I thought i quite like the idea of having that as a you know not under my name it's more of a a project and oddly enough a couple of the people at the record company had been thinking the same thing you know um so yeah i mean i had i had a paint a painting called interloper oddly enough that, that somebody in new york owns now um and uh, i was like the imagery of it you know and the name and stuff like that so that's that's where the idea interlopers came from you know um so uh yeah i like, I like the idea i think it i, I think it it's a visual kind of aspect as well, you know, when people maybe wonder, what is this, you know, so uh, a bit of mystery. Yeah. Now, was it, like, difficult kind of getting back into, you know, the musical side since you've been, like, away, you know, painting and, like, for so long? Uh, well, the recording and everything was 
was the same as ever, you know. I mean, I've never really stopped doing that and yeah. um, the process, you know, I've always been involved in. Um, where we are now is, I mean, the last, well, the last solo album um, was 2007, I think. So, yeah, okay. I mean, the landscape's completely changed now, you know, that I'm, yeah. you know, now that it's coming out and I'm looking at all the, how it's marketed and, you know, it's like a, I had a, a meeting with, uh, some of the team at, at Chrysalis, I don't know, maybe three or four months ago, and they were all so young. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they were talking about, you know, things that I was like, okay, I'm just going to leave you guys up to do this because I'm out of my depth. And, right. <laughs> <laughs> like all the digital platforms and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's completely changed. You know, even in, since 2007, the landscape's changed. I think people say in some ways it's, it's in a bit more of a, a healthy state than it was um, then. So it remains to be seen. Yeah. yeah. So like uh, you mentioned the landscape changed, uh, obviously. So what are your expectations for the album? I mean, because unfortunately no one really buys albums anymore. It, now, that, now they just stream them. Is it just to express yeah. the, you know, the creativity and, and just to get it out there? I think so. I mean, I, I don't, I really don't have any expectations. You know, I don't, I don't know what to expect, but uh I mean, when you're an artist, it's important to just just to get your work out there, yeah. you know. Um, and uh, I felt as if I mean, I wouldn't have done it if, if I hadn't have thought it was up to scratch, you know, or, or, right. or it wasn't maybe interesting. Because I don't think, I mean, if if you you know if you're still putting music out, it should at least be interesting, you know, to yourself and challenge yourself a wee bit rather than just uh, you know going going over old ground and repeating yourself. Yeah. Uh, so I felt that, you know, I had done that. I felt I'd achieved that. And I felt in some ways it was maybe I'm singing better than ever. I don't know, maybe it's age or getting older. Um, so, uh, but I really, I don't know what to expect. It's going to be good fun. We'll do some gigs. Um, and uh, yeah, I just have to wait and see. Yeah. Well, the, the two songs I've heard so far, uh, Nothing Will Ever Be The Same Again and Move On, they're both fantastic. So if the rest of the album is like that, then you, you should be pretty pretty happy with it. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I know. And any reaction so far to it has been great, you know, and I, th- I think uh, it's difficult to, to be objective of your own work, isn't it? You know, but I, th- I get a feeling that, that um, yeah. I've, you know, worked really hard on it um, and I've kept my standards high. And uh, as I say, I hopefully I've kept things interesting. Yeah. Because uh, nothing will ever be the same again. I mean, you, you definitely your vocals are top notch there. I think, yeah, it's it's really a tremendous song.
I think it's maybe it's an age thing as well. I mean, Elton John was on about this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I felt I, I think it's convincing. You know, I think in, in any form of art, what you, what you do has to be convincing. You know, to, to come across, and I think it certainly has that. Yeah. And you mentioned like you know, in the Lord, in the painting that, that you did. You know, the, the basically the basis of you know the name of the, of the band now. Um, how um, how has art influenced your music and vice versa? Well, a lot. I mean, when I when I first started the band, I was I was at art school in Glasgow, and uh, I was really into, oddly enough, a lot of American uh, figurative painters like Edward Hopper and Andrew Wyeth, yeah. um, some American abstract art as well. But uh, it had a big influence on me. And I mean, the, the, the first couple of well, Christina's well, one of right. the first big sing, singles was after the Andrew Wyeth painting. Okay. It was kind of loosely based on that painting in Prospect Street, which was another one of the, the second, I think, single, uh, was an Edward Hopper painting. Um, so I always, I kind of still do, you know, I still feel the works. I look at music as being quite a visual thing, you know, I, I can kind of see how a, a, a song should sound, you know, how something should be produced, and I think that comes from... Um, you know, being at art school and being interested in painting and, and you know, I think it's had a direct influence in, in what I've done. Yeah. You mentioned some of those songs from The Big Dish. Um, I, I discovered you guys, after, ironically, after you guys broke up, uh, I was at a Virgin uh, record store in New York City and they had the import section and they had your um, like compilation album. Right. there. So I, I was like, oh, this is a cool sounding band name. So, and it was when it was at the listening session so i'm like all right I'll, I'll take a listen and i was blown away i spent like an hour there listening to the whole album and i immediately bought the cd and so and then i ended up going back and getting you know the back catalog of, of your album so i apologize for not being a fan when you guys were actually active as a band <laughs> <laughs> i'll allow that yeah so how did the how did the band form all those years ago um well we i mean it was just we were just a bunch of friends that were, we were music fans and, and uh, we had literally just we looked at different bands and you know thought that god that looks great fun you know like bands like orange juice and yeah. uh, i was always kind of influenced by 
post-punk bands like Magazine, you know, and uh, so initially we thought, right, we'll need a sax player in the band, you know, because yeah. Magazine had a sax player and stuff like that at times with John McGeer. Um, so it, it, it kind of, it was just a bunch of friends, you know, none of us were, I could play the guitar a wee bit, you know, and we were yeah. all just like, you buy the bass, you, we, we, one of us could play the drums a bit. And, yeah. um, we weren't, you know, we weren't great musically at all, but I think, I think maybe we had a charm about what we did, you know, and there was some, sometimes that's a good thing, isn't it? You know, that it's not too flashy. Yeah. Um, and we didn't actually do, we didn't do very many gigs at all. And, and Virtue and Herders and Phonogram came up and saw us as well. Um, so it was quite quick, you know, from when we actually started to, to we got a record deal. So we were really naive, you know, I think when, uh, even when we were recording, the first album and stuff like mm-hmm. that. When I look back in it, you know, I mean, we were just so young and yeah. didn't really know what we were doing. Right. <laughs> yeah. But you make all your mistakes, you know, when you're younger, but unfortunately yeah. we made them public, you know, because we were in, we right. were in the Virgin Records and Warner Brothers in America and stuff yeah. like that. Right. So, how, yeah, how much, like, influence, or did you see, like, Richard Branson a lot? Did he come in and kind of, like, uh, oversee anything? Uh, I never actually came across him, you know, but I mean, at the time, uh, Virgin, the headquarters in London was right next to the canal, and he still lived in a barge behind the canal, Okay. Um, just as he's, he was building his empire, you know, so I never came across him at all, um, but uh, I know other people that, that, that did, you know, and he was, he was apparently a wee bit wacky, you know, but really, really yeah. nice. Yeah. So like during that time, there were like a lot of other Scottish bands, Love and Money, I think Delamitri, uh, Danny Wilson. So there were a lot of bands. Did your paths cross like as you guys were trying to get signed? Yeah, all the time. Yeah, because um, Scotland's quite small, you know, and Glasgow's not that big either. And most of the bands, there was only a couple of rehearsal rooms, you know, that we could all use. So yeah, you'd, you'd come and you know, you'd see each other all the time and um, I mean, there was there was a, a rivalry, obviously, but I think it was quite healthy. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Glasgow, we were quite lucky at the time because there was a lot of emphasis in Glasgow, you know, so there was a lot of um, A&R men and, you know, coming yeah. up all the time from big record companies. So, uh, but no, I remember them all. I remember you know, Delamitra and all that and playing in, we were playing in tiny cafes in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, long time ago. Right. So the first album, uh, Swimmer, which um, I, I really enjoyed when, when I got a copy of it. Um, I think, like, going back, I think Slide, this one, the single, even had some airplay on uh, MTV in, in the States a, a, a little bit. But, like, wh- why do you think you couldn't break through in, in America?
But here's the truth You're the living proof Of somebody Because a lot of the band, like Love and Money, also, you know, they had a, a little mm-hmm. bit of very little success, but they were a tremendous band. And you, as you yeah. as well, why was it so hard for like you, the Scottish bands to kind of break through in America? Do you know, I don't, I really don't know. And it's, um, 
it might have been an image thing. Maybe we didn't have a strong enough identity or something like that. Um, I, I, you know, I really, I really don't know. Um, maybe the music as well. I mean, it was kind of, I don't know, I'd, I'd hope that our music was artistic, but it was also, um, it was very poppy as well, you know. I mean, it was pop music, yeah. I love pop music. So maybe it didn't quite bridge the, the kind of rock music thing in, in America. Um, it's, it's difficult to tell. Because, um, like, during that time, they had, like, a term, sophistopop. I don't know if you, you've heard that, where it's, like, they had those bands, like, Love and Money and, like, Swing Out Sister was another one, Johnny H. Jazz, kind of, kind of the, the, those type of bands. And yeah. I figured your music kind of, you know, fit in that as, as well. But I don't, I don't know why it kind of fell through the cracks in the states, which was it's, it's pretty unfortunate, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. It is, but uh, I have no idea. Yeah, no, yeah. What was it? Was there a push for you guys you, in America? Do you like come here like promotional tours? We did. I mean, I, I did some some promotional stuff in New York and Los Angeles. And, uh, and we actually, we, we filmed a, we filmed the video for Slade in Los Angeles in the Burbank studios. Okay. So one of us threw some money at that. Um, and they had a quite, I can't remember the director's name, but he was quite uh, And uh, so, yeah, I mean, we, it's not as if we, we didn't get a chance, you know, we did. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was nice to have the records out in America, but uh, yeah, for some reason, we just uh, we didn't go Bruce Springsteen at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Of the first album, what like what song did you enjoy writing the most? Probably "Swimmer."
Um, I, I really didn't have any preconceived ideas about it. It just it was something that just came, you know. In fact, yeah. we're still playing it. You know, the the, the band that I'm playing with just now, like Interlopers, it's, it's one of it's one of the two, you know, like dish songs that yeah. we probably play. You know, because it's always and it's kind of evolved. We've changed it through through the years, you know, because for some reason it's been quite easy to do that, and and it, it still feels fresh. You know, it still seems yeah. to. We never, we never really get tired of it, um, and it was oddly enough. I mean, it, it wasn't. It's not a. It's not a song that falls into a particular. Doesn't sound commercially. You know, it's not pop music right. around like that. And that was the song that Virgin first picked up on. Um, I think they saw it was, there was something interesting about it. You know, even though we had we were all over the place recording it, and it was yeah. Um, probably wasn't even in time. <laughs> <laughs> But there was yeah. something there, you know, right. something there. So, yeah, I would say that one. Yeah, no, I think that's one of my favorites off that album, too. And then you had, like, the bonus track of Second Swimmer. So what was the story behind that one? That was, uh, it was more Ian Mitchie who produced most of Swimmer. Um, actually, at the time, it, we, I mean, we spent a long time recording that record, you know, with various yeah. different producers. And during the time when we were recording with... Uh, 
with Ian Ritchie finishing the album more or less. I had, I mean, I wouldn't say I had, a, I had a nervous breakdown, but I was, uh, I became ill and they sent me home, they sent me back to Glasgow. So Brian McPhee, uh, who was the guitar player in the band at the time, he stayed in London to finish the record. And it was nearly finished there, I mean, but they finished it with Ian Ritchie. So it was more or less Ian, uh, who was a musician himself, he'd been in death school and everything. Uh, he started, it was his idea, so more <laughs> Him and Brian more or less yeah. uh, recorded that, the two of them. Um, okay. And uh, so the kind of experimental part of that, I can't, can't yeah. claim any ownership right. for that. No. Yeah. So that, literally they let me hear it and I thought, well, well I like that. And some people thought it was a wee bit pretentious, but I, I like it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it, it was different, you know. That's, <laughs> yeah, well, why not, right? <laughs> yeah, why not, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Was it any easier for you guys to record your second album? Did you kind of like understand at that point, like what it took to, you know, record an album and get it produced and stuff like that by then? I think so. Because I mean, the first album at one point, we'd recorded it so many times that eventually Ian Ritchie and I, uh, a lot of it was programmed, you know, it was the time when Synclavias and Fairlights and all that were, were you know, coming yeah. in the studios. So a lot of it was programmed, but, but with uh, Creeping Up in Jesus is a bit more organic, you know, we, we're, it was more of a band playing, you know, and real drums and stuff like that. And I think, yeah, you, you learn by your mistakes, don't you? So the things that I, I thought didn't work on Swimmer, we, we at least I knew not to do that, you know, when yeah. we started creeping up in Jesus. So it, it was, yeah, it wasn't as long a process as Swimmer. I mean, it was maybe a, still maybe a year or something, you know, but yeah. I think uh, it was it was easier to record. How did you come up with the title for that album? Uh, Believe it or not, I was I was just I, I don't know how that was. Uh, my grandmother, God God bless her, uh, used to she used to call people a creeping Jesus if they were a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I remember I used to write things down in the back in, in a cigarette packets and stuff like that. You know, and I don't know whether I took a couple of drinks or something, but I, yeah. I, I found that and I thought I'd written creeping up in Jesus, and it was I mean maybe be thinking about her and. And then I wrote, and so there's no reference to it being, you know, right. don't want to get John Lennon, you know. Yeah. And it was just, it's just a, it kind of had a nice ring right. to it. And, yeah. I, and it came from a nice place. And I thought, well, no, let's use that. Yeah. What was the reaction like when the album came out with, with that title? Did people kind of take it the wrong way? No, it was fine, you know. I mean, it nobody seemed to, to, to care, really, you know. Yeah. I mean, and it didn't nobody seemed to think that you know, take the wrong idea from it or anything like that so yeah. um, and it was all I mean it, it felt quite ironic as well you know that you know just I don't know the nature of the yeah. phrase and stuff like that right so no it was fine yeah and then off that album what was like your favourite song um I'd probably say Burn if I had strength right now Years. 
think it, it turned out really well and it was, yeah. it was also I, I'd written it around a, a keyboard sequence you know that we were start we were starting to use sequencers live and stuff like yeah. that and I, I wrote it around that and uh, which I also did with so it's just like a, a riff we had you know and, and I kind of made it yeah. rotate and wrote all the song around that and I did the same with, with life as well that was written a similar way I th- but I think probably burn um, I probably kind of emotionally remember it being you know uh, quite important yeah and then the third album Satellites uh, featured like one of my favorite songs of Miss America
which I, I felt that that should have been a hit, you know, like yeah. right off the bat in, in, in the States. Um, same same thing with, with that album. What was like the production like for that one? Well, we I worked with Warren Lindsay mostly on that album, who produced the band. You know, that was really why why we approached him. You know, because I liked the the sound of those records, and uh, we got back into doing a wee bit more programming in those those records as well. I think that's why they sound really clean. You know, but. Uh, yeah, it got some people commented that it maybe got a wee bit coffee table with that time, you know, that the record sounded up maybe a wee bit too clean, you know. And, okay. and but it stood the test of time, you know. I mean, I listen to it now, and a lot of people have said that it, it, mm. it doesn't sound dated at all, you know, it's difficult right. to, to kind of uh, pigeonhole it or, or say mm. what, when it was where it came from. Um, and Miss America, I think should have been a hit. I think it, it really should have, you know, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Uh, and because uh, when we still, we, we play it in rehearsal all the time and uh, it still sounds great, you know, and I know it's it's probably not the, the coolest road we've went down, you know, but it, it's still, yeah, yeah I, I agree. It's it's one of those ones that, that slipped through the net, but I think so. I think maybe one day somebody will do a fact, take the, the A&R man at signed is that one of his parting shot to me was when, when we were leaving Warner Brothers. And I was like, I'll be, I'll be one day somebody will record that. Um, yeah. So I'm hoping he's worked. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. What are like your relationships with, with those songs? Like so many years, you know, for, you know, removed from them. Do you still have the same feelings towards them? I think so. It's like, it's like everything else, isn't it? You know, when you look, when you, it's nostalgia, isn't it? You know, when you look yeah. back on things. But uh, I hear, I hear a younger me in them. You know, and I, I think it's I hear a more maybe innocent me, um, and uh, and I enjoy playing them. You know, sometimes like playing the old songs, and because you at the time you get tired of them. You know, because you've yeah. been in a you've been in a recording studio. You know repeating them over and over again to try and get it right. Um, so I think the years can be kind, you know, when you look back on things and, and you maybe get a, uh, I don't know, you feel a bit, you forgot that you were emotionally attached, how much you were attached to right. them. So, uh, so it's interesting that some of them are here and I think, mm, you know, I wish I'd done that better. Yeah. Just I think same for, for everybody. You always look at things and, no, oh, that could have changed that, you know, but that's right. what it is. Yeah. And then that was unfortunately the the last album for you guys, and you split up. Um, I read a quote that you said you got sick of banging your head off the back wall. About like, what exactly did you mean by that when the band broke up? Um, I think I think in the like the late eighties and early nineties, there was always a lot of pressure on you to hit singles. It's the way it was then, wasn't it? You know that. Was, yeah. And I was always kind of encouraged to write as commercial songs as I possibly right. could, which I still don't think that was my strength, you know, um, and I used to get tired of that, you know, trying to write hits and I really mm. didn't think I was probably that good at it. Mm. And I, that's what I meant, so I was tired, I just, yeah. so I was kind of quite glad when it was all over and I thought, let's just, you know, let's just leave it mm. uh, and, and uh, you know, we had, we could have kept going, you know, and we could have right. made more Big Dish albums, we had offers from, you know, more parochial record labels and stuff like that, but mm. I just felt 
it, it had run its course, you know, and we had, we had made some good records, we'd had a good time, good experiences, and it was time to move on. Yeah. And you had, like, obviously a break from, you know, from Satellites and up until your first uh, solo album. Was, uh, uh, what'd you, what'd you uh, end up doing besides painting during that time? I kind of wrote for a couple of publishers for a wee while, you know, they thought that I could maybe, you know, write for other people and uh, didn't do it for very long, to be honest. Um, And I had started kind of drawing again and and, uh, I got, I worked for a few years for a couple of design agencies, um, doing things like uh, illustration and, you know, advertising and did some kind of uh, TV ads and stuff like that. And, and I, would, I did music for the odd thing as well, you know, it would be advertising and stuff like that. Um, and eventually, um, I think I, I just thought I need to do some music again and I need to, you know, commit to it. And uh, I was working in, an, in a, a design agency and I just, one day I just, I just, handed in my notes, you know, and said, I've had enough, I'm going to go and and make another record and and, and throw everything into it. And that was how uh, Exit Music came out then, yeah. Um, So, so it it wasn't, it was quite an easy decision to make, you know, and I felt as if, you've got to be honest with yourself, haven't you? And and I felt right away, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, you know. Um, And I, I should at least even while I'm, I'm painting or drawing, or I should I should be doing music. You know, I felt comfortable doing it. I felt as if I knew how to do it, and and uh, I didn't feel like uh, you know you can feel like an imposter sometimes, can't you? And I just felt as if no, this is a world that I know, and I think I'm good at it. Right. So, uh, unfortunately, again, um, you know, there was people interested in putting the record out, and and. Uh, so yeah, I got the two solo albums out of that. And they're a lot different, obviously, from the you know the Big Dish albums, more like uh, piano driven and as opposed yeah. to you know guitar driven. Um, was that kind of like in your mind while making them? Because you, you obviously don't want to make another Big Dish album if you you know have the same type of you know styles. So was that kind of in your mind while making the album? It was. It was. Um, and uh, but I mean, at the time, I had been writing a lot more songs on the piano anyway, you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't that, uh, that much of a, a leap. Um, right. So, and because I, I did, again, I did most of it on my own, but I mean, I was just using trip hop like on Butterfly and I was listening to things that were contemporary and uh, which I, I, I still do to this day. I think, you know, you always go to have a look at what's going on around about, uh, around about you. Um, so, it was quite it was quite a natural thing, you know, that it ended up just being mostly piano, you know, with a couple mm-hmm. of guitar songs. Um and a lot of it was was programmed again, you know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, I was lucky enough that to have uh, Craig Armstrong, my old pal from the band, to, to help me with the, the string arrangements and um so uh, yeah, and it felt it felt it felt fresh, you know. I think that's another thing, isn't it? You've got to keep yeah. doing things that are Hopefully fresh, and uh, right. so yeah, I, 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 I think it. I think I did. I didn't. I mean, I clearly didn't want to make another band. Uh, yeah. Band. Yeah. 
No, I, they're both fantastic. And, you know, Kite, I love uh, Metropolis. I think that's, what, that's my favorite song by, by you. Uh, 
Yeah, I love that song. It's great. <laughs> yeah. So how did you end up covering um, the Pixies' Monkey Gone to Heaven? Love it. I've always loved the Pixies, and, and uh, to be honest, I was thinking maybe I should do a couple of cover versions in this album, yeah. and uh, that just kind of sprung out of you know mid-air. Yeah. Um, and I thought, I wonder if I could do the, just a completely different take on it. Yeah. So that's why it's it's a piano song, you know. I mean, obviously yeah. there's distorted guitars kicking at the end and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, I wasn't sure at the time. I thought, well, I'll go and record it anyway. And I'll, I'll see how it sounds, and uh, but everybody liked me, and our guys liked it, you know. And it was like, oh no, this this could be great, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought maybe it would. I mean, you you hope that it says something about you, the songs that you you choose to cover, you know, the, the, kind of what you're into and your tastes and stuff like yeah. that. So yeah, that was that was why we did that. But it, and it ended up it was I, th- I think it was Capital Radio, one of the, the London stations that it was. Uh, because it was a single, obviously, and it was played on the radio, and the DJ right. had a, they had a phone in about it. 
and I think it was loved and loathed in equal measures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So controversial. Yeah. At least it got in a reaction. That's yeah, the most well, important thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you ever thought about making just a straight uh, covers album? I'd love to, yeah. yeah. But it would be, um, it'd be an interesting thing to do. I, I don't know if anybody would be interested in writing enough of the notes. But uh, it'd be great fun. Yeah, I enjoy yeah. It's always good fun to do cover versions. Yeah. What If you had your choice, what would you put on there? Oh, boy. I'd probably, I'd probably start driving Saturday. That's probably my, my favourite David Bowie song. Okay. Um, She's a Rainbow, the Rolling Stones, maybe Day Trip or the Beatles, maybe a Marvin Gaye song. Oh, I don't yeah, know. right. A couple of, you know, yeah. a couple of wire, a wire cover or something like that. Yeah. Were all those, all those artists, were they big influences you growing yeah. up? Yeah. yeah. Totally. I mean, I was, well, I was of that age, you know, so a T Rex and then Bowie and Roxy Music, Glam Rock, which went into punk and right. Mickey Pop and all that. So. Yeah. Yeah, that was my that was my time, I suppose. Right. Do you remember where you were the first time you heard one of your songs on the radio? I do actually. I was walking down a street in Glasgow, and it, I was passing a, a hairdresser's, and Big New Beginning was coming out. The it must have been on the radio, and it was coming out. Of the, I could hear it through the door. And it's a really weird thing because when you're not prepared for it, you know, when you're kind of taken by surprise, and you're like, "What is that?" And then you realise it's you. So it was about it was a real thrill, actually. But yeah. it was weird as well, you know, because yeah. it, it's difficult to, to, to be objective about your own, hearing your own music sometimes, yeah. you know, especially when you're caught by surprise. At first you think right. it's not you, you think it's something else. Yeah. And then uh, and then you realise, but yeah, I'll never forget it. Yeah. And then well, I, the other thing was as well, I must tell you this, that, uh, I mean, getting your records played in BBC Radio 1 in, yeah. in those days, that was a big thing, you know, that's what, Kind of right. put your name out there, and some of the DJs would play your record, and it was such a great thing to have your record on, on you know national radio one. Yeah. Um, and then they wouldn't say at the end, they wouldn't say who the band was, right? I would, you know, so there was your big opportunity, and it was really frustrating. I used to like kick the radio and things like that, you know, because yeah. the DJs I think then were so it was so self indulgent. All the shows were about them, and you right, think, oh, you know, what yeah. That's the way it goes. Yeah. Unfortunately, now with the technology, it would just be displayed on your radio or you can just hold up the phone to let you know what the song is. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What about like the weirdest place you've heard one of your songs? This place, I actually heard Slide in a, in a clothes shop in Florida <laughs> um, that I was in. And I actually said to the, uh, the kind of assistant, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she just thought I was absolutely nuts. Right. <laughs> but yeah, probably that. That was strange. It was good fun. It was good to yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I actually I actually heard Slide in a department store a couple of years ago. So, so it's still getting played? It's still getting played. Yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of cool. You know? Just, yeah. You walk around the store and it's like, okay. Sometimes you walk around a little bit longer because they play good music. <laughs> you know? Well, that's good to know. Yeah, but back to the interlopers for a sec. Um, I guess you're gonna 
start off playing you know in your country or do you have any plans to like expand maybe possibly even come into the states i'd love to yeah i mean we're, we're just uh taking it one step at a time just now you know and so uh, that would be great yeah i mean i think yeah. uh well chrysler's are involved you know and they've obviously got uh you know offices in america yeah. and you know, yeah Europe and everywhere so um yeah that'd be great yeah, and when does the album come out again? The album's coming out in May. Okay. Yeah, so mid- middle middle of May. All right, cool. Like I said before, if it, you know if it's as good as the first two songs, then uh, it's going to be a real you know great listen. I hope so. I think I think so. Yeah. Yeah, but Stephen, I re- really appreciate your time today, and best of luck with the album. Thanks very much. No, it's been good to chat to you. <laughs> And a special thanks to Stephen for joining me today. Look forward to their album when it comes out in May. Check them out on Twitter at Interlopers. If you have a guest suggestion, you can hit me up on Twitter at the first null one nine, or like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes? Not a problem. Shows on SoundCloud, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music. Basically, wherever you can find a podcast, a new episode comes out every week. And like I said in the open, here is the second song from Interloper's album called Move On. We'll see you next week. my